0: May 5th, 2022, this morning's class is dedicated by Charles and Norma Shehebar in honor of their new daughter. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Dav Samech Vava of eight lines from the bottom and just about six words onto the line. The situation that the Gemara is dealing with is it's seeking, it's looking for a source for the Halakha. That the Mishnah told us, but not for the onesh, which is explicit in the Torah for a person who's Mikalil Aviv who curses with God's name, his one of his parents, but rather the Azhara, the Gemara said onesh shama'anu, we know and we see maybe two places in the Torah where there's the punishment of Sikila for a person who curses their parents. But how do I know that there's a warning as well? And the principle of the matter is in Onshim, Elaim Ken Mazhirim, the Torah will not issue a punishment unless you can find and seek out the warning in the Torah as well. Now there's no explicit warning in the Torah and as a result the Gemara, the Chachamim get very creative. What the Chachamim set forth was initially what we call a binyanav of Ketubim and then they added a third Ketub which means to say the Gemara mentioned the three places aside from parents where the Torah talks about the prohibition of cursing another. It mentions it by a Nasi, and loosely translated as the king or the prince, mentions it by Elohim Lotaor. The Torah talks about, and we'll talk about in a in a few moments today. Exactly, excuse me, Elohim Lote You can't curse Elohim, translated for our purposes at this time as a dayan, as a judge. So that's the second case. Again, two two uh, parts of the same Pasuk, Elohim Lote Kaleil Amecha Lo, te- lo, beamecha lo taor. Those are two prohibitions. And thirdly, the Torah tells us that a cheresh, a deaf person, you're not allowed to curse as well. Using those three mentions together, we try to logically force this halakha of an azhara for mekalei aviv ve'imo. The Gemara, ultimately speaking, would not accept. It had the final punchline, it's at the beginning of this eight lines from the bottom. <laughs> uh, which loosely translated as their unique, they're different. As a result, the Gemara will not use the logical deduction of uh, binyan av. It'll rather use a, a different derasha known as imeno inyan, which means to say we're not going to use one of those 13 midot of Rabbi Ishmael. We're going to use a different way in which we derive law from the Torah. And it goes as follows as the Gemara, niktov kera o Elohim onasi Elohim Lamali Inyan Legufo Le Aviv. The Gemara has the following claim. It says, listen, I understand that the Torah would need to, that HaKadosh Baruch would be purposed to mention the higher class no cursing, call that either the judge or the king, and the lower class one call that the deaf person. Once you would mention both of those you'd kind of have the spectrum of humanity with regards to no cursing, there's a prohibition there's a warning in the Torah against cursing any of them. Why mention both Elohim and Nasi? Once I'm mentioning the higher class and the lower class that's my words but that's effectively what the Gemara had told us why mention two on the higher class? Why both Nasi and Elohim and then as well Heresh. the fact that there's Three mentions, and I technically speaking could have understood that both Elohim and Nasi are inclusive if I only mentioned one of them. In other words, if I'm to talk to you right now, not as God, not as Torah, but I say, listen, don't mess with the monarchy or don't mess with the government. When I mention don't mess with the government, you kind of understand that I'm telling you don't mess with the governor and the mayor and the president and so on and so on, the congressman and so on and so forth. The fact that the Torah needed to go out of its way to have two mentions while at the same time mentioning the lower class, it's seemingly telling us that there's an extra mention to teach us something altogether different—that's what we call imen or It's The Hachamim understand; they have a the tradition, to be Doresh The Torah in such a fashion. If the Torah unnecessarily mentions something, I can learn a law that has seemingly almost nothing to do with that mention. The only thing it has to do with that mention is that it's dealing with cursing. Who's it referring to? Not the not the judges and not the king. It's talking about the parents. That's the. That but we're not using it as three kitubim together power the derashah, but rather, why do I have three separate mentions? in That's right. Again, it's nuanced difference, but it's an altogether different derashah of the chachamim. Ela Ken, One more time. Nikhtov kera. The pasuk could have stated o elohim the higher class elohim, the dayan, the judge, v'heresh, the lower class deaf person, or or alternatively, higher class nasi Uh, the king, the lower-class Heresh. Elohim la'mali. In each of these cases, however the Torah would slice it, you'd have to ask yourself, why do I have two upper-classmen that are being mentioned? Therefore, answers the Gemara. If it's not an inyan, if it's not necessary, legufo for its actual quote-unquote content. In other words, the reference to either the Elohim or the Nasi, we should apply it instead Aviv. That's the derasha of the Chachamim. Now says the Gemara. Now that we've spent a day or so discussing these pesukim, we've been assuming throughout, and I've purposefully been pronouncing Elohim lo in such a fashion. If I wasn't reading the full pasuk, I wouldn't say God's name like that. I'm not reading the full pasuk, but we've been interpreting Elohim in that context, Belashon Chol, as the judge. The Gemara says that's a matter of dispute. It's a between Bishma'il and b'akibah. We're about to read about it Now, if you're to interpret that that pasuk is not referring to a judge, but rather to God himself, Akadosh like Baruch Hu, Everything's off. All your descriptions of let's understand the pasuk like this. Why mentioned so many times? It's all going to be thrown off. It's all going to be excused. excuse. As the Gemara Haniha, this is all. And specifically the last derasha, which is the which is the one that that, that stood water that that's still standing. Haniha it's understood. It's Noah. It's pleasant. We can un- we can accept it. Le'man de'amar, according to the opinion who maintains Elohim, quote unquote, that when that word is mentioned in the pasuk, it's hol, it's profane. It's human beings, it's the Dayan, it's the Judge. amar. However, according to the opinion that it's Kodesh, that we should be pronouncing it Elohim, as opposed to uh, Elohim, that it's a reference to Akadosh Baruch namely, the opinion we'll see in a moment, in Bi'akibah, How do you hold up this Derashah? You're stopped. you're going to be in trouble, you're not going to be able to defend the Azharah, if you recall our broader context, of Avivi The word Elohim or Elohim, we interpret when it's talking about Hakadosh so Bar Chuezmi, that had judgment of. So, so that's why we would apply it accordingly. However, for example, if I told you that the Torah tells us don't curse God, it doesn't per se mean don't curse important judges. It's of God. I mean, there's worlds, literally, uh, infinite worlds of difference between the two. So you're right, that might be, and Rashi writes this in Parashat Mishpatim explicitly, that the reason we refer to it, Din as Elohim, as Milashon, Alim, and, and Din of HaKadosh Baruch, Hu, that's what they're exacting and that's what they're involved in. But ultimately speaking, to say, well, didn't need to be mentioned, and let me put it in conjunction, uh, it's a whole different parasha talking about Akadosh Baruch. It's got no bearing on our larger. Form of Hashem's name, since we did, let's say we could easily include judges, that's when you're cursed. So Nathan says that we're already along the line of thought, which ultimately speaking she throws something at the very last line in, along your line of thought. He says it's a, it's a particular and unique way of referring to God. It says, Elohim it doesn't say oh, Hashem, yod ke'vav ke'lo te'kalel. So it says it's already has a tinge of mention of bedin as well. All right, it'll stand what you're claiming, but you'll need a little bit more because ultimately speaking, we're about to read that Rabbi Akiva interprets the bazooka as only referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So to speak, there is no prohibition against the judge. So you want to say, maybe it's ball All right, we... If we can ultimately pull that off, that's all right. It's not going to be to akiva. That's what I'm. It's not simple to be akiva. The as the beraita states Elohim, as the pasuk says, Lote kalel hal. It's a reference to hal human beings, judges, divrei bi be akiva omir, Elokim kodesh. That's be akiva when the pasuk talks about Elokim lo tekalil. It's referring to God. Vitanya and along those lines. The Biraita furthermore teaches, says Rabbi bin what's the azhara, the warning issued in the Torah that you're not allowed to blaspheme, curse God, leave aside judges and kings and deaf people and parents, God, Lamar, Elokim. That's the same pasuk in Parashat Mishpatim. Elokim lo tekalel. Elokim lo tekalel. says the Gemara, okay, here's how it's going to play out. Everything we've been discussing. Lemanda amar, Elohim, hol, gamar kodesh, mehol. Lemanda amar, Elohim, kodesh, gamrinan, hol, mekodesh. Lemanda says, this, none of this was very difficult. You mean to tell me that you're bothered by this? I mean, it's along the lines of Nathan, but not fully yet. That's why it goes as follows. If the pasuk says Elohim lo te kaleil, and you're interpreting it like Rabbi Ishmael, we call that hol. It's a reference to judges. You mean to tell me that he doesn't extend it to God? That's the dirash of Rabbi Yisven Yaakov. It's an extension to God. If you're not allowed to curse the judge, well then. You're not allowed to curse God either, says Tosafot, and the Nathan line, because we are using, after all, the wording in the Pasuk purposefully of Elohim to be inclusive, quote unquote, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On the flip side, says the Gemara then, even if you learn the Pasuk like Rabbi Akiva, that it's Elohim, and it's Kodesh, and it's a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, well, maybe it funnels downward as well. Maybe I make a that if you can't curse HaKadosh Baruch Hu, well, then you shouldn't even be cursing human beings, important human beings. Mm, that's maybe what we're going to lead into, says the Gemara. Here's, here's where we go. Are you really going to do that? You're really going to derive, well, if God told me that I can't curse him, I can't curse uh, that judge. Really? It's the opposite of a kalvah. Maybe a kodesh azhar, a hola azhar. <laughs> maybe, quite, again, you can make the claim of a and kodesh of Baruch Hu, you're not affecting and you're cursing <laughs> them and you're being punished, a human being, you might be affecting them, and so that's why you'd be punished, but ultimately speaking, says the Gemara, Dilma, uh, maybe, on the flip side, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says when you're dealing with the greatest, quite literally, that's where you don't curse. That's where you're warned. Not when you're dealing with anything but that. Says the Gemara, here's our final line. So you're right. Listen, ultimately speaking, we're going to be using this imeno inyan. We have three Pesukim, all of which uh, mention uh, not cursing. We have a problem because according to the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that when the Pasuk says Elohim, it's Kodesh, it's a reference to Akadosh Baruch Hu. is there any way of fitting into a Pasuk which talks about Akadosh Baruch Hu? somehow does it sound like him, we find a reference, a vantage point for the Nathan's line of thought of saying, it's not only talking about Akadosh Baruch Hu, Rabi Akiva, wouldn't you agree it's also talking about human beings? It's easy to say for Rebbe Ishmael, it's talking about human beings, for judges. Well, it's also about Akadosh Baruch Hu, especially because Pasuk uses the Lashon of Elohim. Well, can you do that, Rabbi Akiva says the Gemara? There's another way in which the Pasuk hints this to us a little bit. Difficult. Again, using the line of thought, the logic of it, the Pasuk could have said, Lotekal. Lotekal would be something along the same lines of Lotekalel. After all, Kilala, it appears, is from the same sort of sorish, shorish as Kal of making something light. As a result, Pasu could have just said Lotekal. What? Singular versus plural. Uh, Hashem is singular, so we would say Kakel, but judges, Tekalel. That, that will be the way we go, but because of the double limits, I don't think it's a Kodesh in whole, I think it's an extra letter. Tekalil is not in plural, as opposed to tekal, uh, you know, in other words, it's a verb which is a reference to the person who's doing it. That's going to be singular, regardless. That's not going to be a plural. But it's going to be, that's right, okay. But it's going to be a derasha on the fact that it says tekalel. In conjunction, says Rashi, with the fact that already the pasuk uses a more encompassing word called Elohim or Elohim, depending on your vantage point. Mm-hmm. Those two together, the fact that the pasuk tips you off to the fact that you should be reading the word Elohim yeah. as both Kodesh. And whole, it tells you so by saying tikkalil with the double lamad. That's the dirashah of the Gimara. That's where everything settles. Ultimately speaking, we are nizhar and ne'inash on kilalat av va'im. We are nizhar on kilala of all those other circumstances. The question that lingers very briefly is, what about an azharah for a kilala b'shem Hashem of any other person? Not my parents. Tosafot at the top right-hand corner makes clear, well, this is how we would then derive it to all others. After all, the whole issue the Gemara had with deriving to mother and father if you remember the end of class yesterday, from those three paradigmatic cases, right, the Elohim, the Nasi, the, 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 the Nasi and the Haresh the Gemara says there's something unique about them. The word of Ricky yesterday, there's a certain vulnerability which we were assuming for one reason or another isn't applicable to parents. Well, that all being the case, now that we've included in the mix parents, we learned parents as well, so I really have everything across the spectrum. I have from the lowest uh, stra- uh, line of the of the spectrum, and that's who? That's the Hiddish, to the highest end of the spectrum, that's Elohim, that's the, uh, the, the 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 Nasi, and then I have in the middle, I have the parents as well. Using all those together, says Safot, we now derive that literally every single person. There's an Azharab, there's a prohibition from the Torah of a kelala, right? What did we need Heresh for? If I just said, any, you anybody, why would I ever think that a would be... So that says Nathan, with that all being the case, why mention Heresh at all? Like but it's not the way the Gemara had, had spoken it out for us. And it was yesterday, if you recall, the Gemara made it quite the opposite. Since he's so lowly, he's so vulnerable, and as a result the Torah needs to say and you're going to break him by doing so so don't do it but HaRambam inexplicably but not so inexplicably in light of this question HaRambam in his Mishneh Torah says you want to know how and he's really kind of quoting from a Gemara Masechet Shavuot and Daflamidvav the Gemara Masechet Shavuot and Daflamidvav just in a a way that seems different than our Gemara says how do you know that you're not allowed to be mekalil any person? Hiresh. we learn from Chirish Oh, it's not so simple. We'll say it's like our Gemara said, Harishuto Garmado. It's because of his vulnerability. That's why he, you can't apply it to me and you necessarily. Maybe we're not as fragile as him. But Harambam seemingly, is what several of the Mefarshim say, I think it's in Perek Kafav Vilchot Sanhedrin, Harambam seemingly has the following line of thought. He couples our Gemara with that Gemara. And it says that when all the dust settles, I have the technical legwork done from this sugya. I can make all the dirashot and plug it all in. But then I'm left with a lingering question. Why do I need hairesh at all? Why did the Torah need imagine mention The answer, and Haram Bam writes this is, it's a Jeffrey Gindy comment to me yesterday, it's that the heresh, you maybe once all the dust settles, could have a logic the opposite way when it comes to the heresh. He hasn't heard it. He doesn't know anything about it. And he's not aware that you... Even he you warned. you know, it's, it's not per se the lowest in terms of, but he has all that vulnerability. The Hidush is, he's never gonna find out that you cursed him out. Not he's dead. The word, what that, that, what's the cursed you, you're not listening. And yes, it makes You like you person. are speaking, anyway, that's, that's right, you're speaking the logic of the Torah, that's the Hidush. Even though you didn't hear, says the Torah, Heresh is still Azhara, you're still not allowed to curse. No, but I didn't affect, oh, the classic question, classic conversation, we have all the time, but the person's not going to find out anyway, but it didn't affect anything anyway, but you should know. So uh, Jeffrey yesterday suggested, and this I don't know, but he suggested that Hiresh Nasi, and uh, and uh, Dayan all hold in common that they're not gonna find out. You're gonna be talking a lot behind their back and they're not gonna find out. They're in the ivory tower, the top guys, and the lower one is never gonna hear it. Maybe. Maybe. Or what? Maybe, oh gosh, that maybe oral. Right. Maybe. What's if you read it like What's the point that. What's The curse? Well, then he knows. that's, that's the Hidush. The Hidush is the curse. No. If it's a Hidush, there's still a Azharah. So the point is, it's either the effect or it's just the fact that you curse even if there wasn't, in effect. You know what I'm saying? In other words, logically that's... it seemed as if, like, if you said something that was the punishment, you get the punishment for you're log- so you're you're, saying you for logically, You're, you're in line with you're the Torah. It's, it's a logic which initially would have been otherwise. The Hidush says Harambam is like that. Okay, onward, says the Mishnah here at the top of Tafsa Amud Beit. It deals with the next case that was mentioned, that Mishnah Dafnun Gimal, with regards to situations where you get Sekila. And if you recall, it was a person who has relations with a Naaraham or a woman, we'll talk about what a na'ara is in a second, who's me'orasa, let's go backwards, me'orasa means she's engaged. Another way of referring to erusin is kiddushin. The Gemara at the beginning of Masechit Kiddushin points out these are two ways of referring to someone who's engaged halachically. What does it mean to be engaged? Well, the Mishnah tells the beginning of Masechit Kiddushin, a man turns to a woman and says, mekudeshili. behold you are, we say sanctified, perhaps separated, unto me or to me with this and one of three ways of doing so that's kiddushin that's the initial stage there is a status at that stage but that status changes on several levels when there's nisuin we call that hupa. what hupa is is a separate conversation as well but that's the next stage fundamentally what changes well if the person's a kohen he's not allowed to be mitameh if she were to pass away during the engagement he can't uh, contaminate himself in that context it's only once there's nisuin in terms of yerusha in terms of inheritance as well that shifts at nisuin but that's me'orasa the Torah talks specifically about a na'arah me'orasa as the case in parashat kiteseh where the person is liable to sikila to being killed by Sikila by stoning as opposed to the standard punishment of Henek, of strangulation in illicit relations. What's a na'ara? There are three stages, halachically speaking, with regards to the maturity of a woman, and that is ketana. Ketana is generally speaking from the age of birth until 12 and at that point she can now enter into the stage of Na'arut. Na'arut will be entered into when she has of signs of maturity called Shete, shete Se'arot there are two pubic hairs that are, that are grown and she's over the age of 12. From the age of 12 until the age of 12 and a half assuming she has those Simane Na'arut she then at 12 and a half will become what's called a Bogeret. Now the Torah specifically mentions in the context of for the woman with whom there were these illicit relations if she's a number one, which means between the age of 12 and 12 and a half with the signs of maturity, and she's she's engaged. If it's anything or everything else, it's either no liability, depending on the circumstance, you're not going to be punished, or you are going to be punished, and it's going to be a punishment of Still not such a great ending, but not as severe and as harsh as Sikilah, which we envision, as the Mishnah told us, as the highest. Says the Mishnah, The person has relations with, again, Now we're not referring to rape. A separate story consensual relations. but you're not the husband, obviously. no Hayav Ad, you are not liable to sikila until the following conditions are met. Ara, that's what we mentioned. Bitula, that's one we didn't mention. She's still a virgin. She still hasn't had relations in a fashion in which her uh, her virginity was lost, and meorasa. We explained what that means. We're explaining meorasa as opposed to either she's pinuya, she's not attached to a man at all, or she's already a nisuah, which will put her into the stage of nisuin of marriage and chenek punishment. Vhi bebet Lastly, says the uh, says the says the mishnah. She's bebet Via, She's still in her father's household. What does that mean? Well, you assume it means because she's still engaged. If it means she's still engaged, why mention it at all? The Gemara will make clear. The Gemara Masechet Ketubot talks about such a case as well. But our Gemara will make clear. What about the following stage? You're sending her off. That's the way it used to work. You used to go from your father's household to your husband's household. Now there was erusin. They did engagement while she was in her father's household. And then, as we find in the Torah, with, let's say the story of Ribka on her way to Yitzchak, you sent her off. There was Erusin there was affected, but there's not yet Nisuin. So she's in between uh, Brooklyn and, uh, and Dio. And she's on her way to Nisuin, happily ever after, and on the way, someone, has consensual relations with this woman. She's still an Arusa, but she's no longer bebetavia. Not because she was on the street, but because she was on her way. She was steps hours away from her father's household. In that situation, she's already, to her husband's household, I'm sorry, that situation, she's already lost the status of Arusa, bebetavia. It's no longer a Sekilah. It'll still be put to death, both she and the the man, with Hanik. Lastly, says the Mishnah, and we'll get back to this in the Gemara, to define what's going on over here, but not today. husband on the way? She's married. That would be the chupa That would be the hupa. Which effectively is together with, even though it's not you know per se, but it's effectively together with the biyaso. Bisimantov fits with her husband. We'll deal with this case in the Gemara, but it says if two people have relations, it's an understanding of what we call It's not in the regular fashion. It's a way in which neither one of them will make her will will lose her virginity. Harishon Biskilah, the first one, nonetheless is liable to sikila to being stoned, even though he didn't shed her virginity. Rashi says we made a Dirashah earlier in the Gemara. Mishkeve Ishad in Lashon Rabbi, Mishkeve, the lying. The, uh, the the relations, as opposed to relation, in other words, as opposed to one way, it's two ways, even if it's shelo kedarkah, even if it's not in the regular fashion, he's still liable and still sikila vasheni. The second one, however, even though he didn't, this is one opinion, didn't make the woman now, through that action, a non-virgin, even though she didn't lose her virginity, because it was biashelo kedarkah, nonetheless, her status has changed, and as a result, it's behenik Again, we'll deal with that case. Let's deal with the first. Uh, first, here in the Gemara. Tanura Bana means a So, this is going to be citing the Pasuk, which is the source for all that we're discussing. I'm going to read to you the Pasuk. You can find it probably on the left hand side of your page. It's in Parashat Kitese, We'll read it during the summer. ish. There's the words, everything we were expecting based on what we know from our Mishnah. If there were to be, if there will be a Na'ara, we know what Mm Na'ara means, between the age of 12 and 12 and a half with Simane Na'arut, Betula means she's a virgin, Me'orasa ish means she's engaged. There was Kiddushin, Umsa'ah ish ba'ir, and a man finds her in the city, and the reason it mentions the city is instead of him finding her in the field or pulling her out to the field, which, which would denote rape, this is consensual, and then he has relations with her, and then the Pasuk, the Pesukim, continue to describe the Sikila, the way you take them out and you stone them, but for our purposes, dealing with the, uh, with the situation, with the conditions, tanura Rabbanan Na'ara, the first word that is most relevant to us for meeting the conditions as opposed to if she's over the age of 12 and a half she's engaged, she's a virgin, she's over the age of 12 and a half yes, the man and the woman get put to death but different status already that vulnerable stage of is lost and as a result no but furthermore says she's a virgin Yes, even if she's already had relations and she lost her virginity not, and she's going to be, as is he, liable for death penalty. It'll be Hanuk strangulation as opposed to Sikila, which is during that vulnerable stage of erusin, na'ara, and betula. Where do you see that she's getting punished? you getting punished. Okay. Eshet ish. Eshet Ish gets chenek regardless. We already, said that's her status. I mean, you want on the page where I see it, in Rashi. In Rashi, on the page, but in the Torah because of Eshet Ish. Me'orasa, as she's engaged, Pasuk says she needs to be engaged. Pasuk says it with a sin. The hachamim spell it with a samech velo nesua, and she's not already married. Bebet viha the pasuk furthermore says excuse me it doesn't say it over here it says it in the next pasuk that you're taking her from Via perat. this is coming to exclude that's the case I was telling you about earlier imagine it like the, uh, the Itzhak and Rivka situation Rivka is taken from her father's household and they're on the way Now we're not talking about Rivka this didn't happen to Rivka a woman is taken from father's household on their way to the husband the Hidushin has already been affected, she's already in arusa, but she's not yet had seclusion relations with the husband and she has consensual relations along the way. That is not the case we're talking about in the Torah. There would be death penalty, both for her and the person who has relations with her, but not Sekilah. Amar Yudah Yehuda, Rav, Zoh, Divrer Bimeir. Says Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, our Mishnah, says Rashi, is following the opinion of Rav Meir. Aval Chachamim Omrim. But the hachamim would disagree. We'll talk about who it would be ears in a second. Na'arah orasa The hachamim would say that it doesn't need to necessarily be a reference to na'ara. When the Torah talks about na'ara, that in-between stage from the age of 12 until 12 and a half. It means and below. From the age of whatever age he's able to have relations. Three is the rabbi's age for that. Until 12 and a half that's the stage of a person to have relations with her if her father accepted Kiddushin for example for, for, for her and if someone has relations with her you're liable to Sikila that's the statement of the Gemara now that's far from simple because Rabi Meir and Chachamim are just Heke being referred to. Who would it be me and Again, Al Mishnah has the following statement, just for clarity reasons. Al Mishnah says, ostensibly, and certainly the way we interpret it in, the way the Gemara will interpret it in just a moment, Na'ara, she must be already at the age of intermediate maturity, between 12 and 12 and a half. If she's below, and if she's above, but specifically if she's below, there's no Sekilah. It's not vulnerable to that extent, it's not severe to that extent that you get Sekilah, <laughs> and as a result a Kitana would not get stoning as the punishment for relations in this, this situation. Ha- whose opinion does that follow? Only Meir, not Hachamim. Hachamim would be inclusive as well as a, kit- of a Kitana the interesting thing is they have nothing to do with this and you might however confuse what they are talking about but then you'd be missing what's going on over here the Gemara Masechet Ketubot the very beginning of Elu Na'arot, Judah the Gemara, the very beginning of the 3rd Padrech in Masechet Ketubot talks about the following situation if a person not has consensual relations with a woman but rapes the woman what we call Ones he's me'aneset he rapes a woman in such a circumstance the Torah has a penalty 50, 50 coins in such a situation now that cannot, that penalty is rewarded to the Torah says or owed to the Torah says a na'ara a woman who is at the age of na'arut does that include over there by the penalty of the rapor, rapist does that include if she was below the age of 12 between the age of 12 and 12 and a half? Or below the age of 12? Or only from the age of 12 and above? From when she's a na'ara? That's the machlok rebimein chachamim. Says rebimeir, it's even if she's below the age of 12. Do you understand? She's 11 years old, lo alena, and she's raped. Is there a penalty? She's not marriage, not anything. Is there a penalty paid as a result? Says Rabbi Meir, absolutely. Say hachamim, no, she's below the age. Sounds terrible, I understand. We will punish the guy, but he won't have that penalty. Says our Gemara, says Rav and our Gemara, that law by raping and by penalty called kenas should be applied to over here as well. What's over here as well? To Sikila. Liability of punishment by stoning in a situation in which it's consensual relations? That's the question here in our Gemara. Again, Amarav Yoda Amarav Zo, our Mishnah, which is. Excluding a Ketana bimeir would be following the opinion of Meir, who says in another context, but we can and should apply it here, says Rav, that na'ara means even below na'ara, even from the age of three up until and including twelve and a half. The rabbis would disagree. Same way over there, they say when she's below the age of twelve, there's no penalty. Na'araham orasa afilu ketana bemashma I flipped it whatever afilu ketana I've been flipping it the whole time afilu ketana bemashma the chachamim say below the age of 12 she is included, and as a result, there would be the penalty. So one last time, our Mishnah follows specifically the opinion of Rabbi Meir, who says it starts at 12, as opposed to Chachamim, who says it starts at whatever age she's able to have relations. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara maybe, who told you, our Mishnah is specifically telling us and teaching us that when it tells us Na'ara, it's coming Lema'ote, to exclude someone below the age of 12. Maybe it's only coming to exclude the upper age, above the age of 12 and a half. If I say the woman needs to be a Na'ara, Rabbi, what is Na'ara between 12 and 12 and a half? So you say to yourself one of two things, either or three things. Either you're saying he's coming to exclude if she's younger, Or you're saying if she's Older, Or you're saying if she's younger or older. Our assumption is that our Mishnah is teaching us if she's younger or older, below the age of 12 or above the age of 12 and a half, she's excluded. She's not getting Sikila. Who told you that? Maybe the Mishnah is only coming to teach us, stating to us, that if she's above the age of 12 and a half, that's when she doesn't get Sikila. She's below the age of 12, she would still get Sikila. And it's not teaching anything else. The answer, and we'll conclude with this, Amar le, hai, ad, Arabetula me orasa and ohayav. Ella al na Arabetula me orasa me ba eleve a statement in our mishnah is as follows. statement in our mishnah is, he's not hayav until, ad, the word ad means until she's a na'ara, until she's 12 years old. Mm, that's an interesting word. It doesn't say she's only liable, he's only liable to sikilah when she's a na'ara, kishihi na'ara morasa. It says until she, until means we're excluding below the age of 12 as well. The t- Point, na'ara. That's right. If it said when she's a na'ara, I would say it's saying when she's a na'ara as opposed to when she's a Bulgarian, it's above the age of 12 and a half. That it says ad until she's a na'ara morasa. that's telling me as well that the lower age is excluded. Ve'tu lamideh means and there's nothing more. Ve'tu ve'od lamideh, nothing else. Which means to say the Gemara resolves itself to the fact that our Mishnah is excluding below the age of 12 and above the age of 12 and a half, no circumstances, no liability with regards to Sikila. And Rav in turn says our Mishnah must be following the opinion of Bimeir because, after all, according to the Chachamim, in the context of Kenas, the, the ketana is a part of the same punishment as the naarav. <laughs> Amen. <be-amen. laughs>